Hey, what's up? It's WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler here, and you're listening to the Spanish Announce Table on the Trending Topics Network. The Spanish Announce Table. It is the Spanish Announce Table. It is the year-end episode. I am Captain Awesome. T-Mac is with us uh, in a little bit of a different format yet once again. I'll just start off by saying this episode is being brought to you by Tom. Uh, Tom put in the time and the effort to produce most of this content. I'm slapping it all together and giving my inputs along the way. Um, but you have Tom to thank for this because he uh, cares about you, the fans. Uh, he he loves you guys. He hears the calls uh, that we're getting from you guys saying, we need more content. Where are you guys? We can't live without you. It's like my life has no joy anymore, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all the stuff every day, just fan mail, fan mail, fan mail, fan mail, fan mail. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, listen, uh, it's a year-end special. Tom pre-recorded this. I'm going to play it for you, but he's going to give you a quick year interview. He's going to give you his top five wrestlers of the year. He's going to give you his top five matches of the year. Uh, Right now, uh, where I'm at in Kansas City, it is past midnight on New Year's Eve. So it is New Year's Eve now, right on the doorstep of 2020. Uh, that number just seems to young Captain Awesome, the high school or something, that number just seems fake to me. <laughs> like I knew I would get there someday, but uh, well, I mean, I thought I'd get there someday, but um, it just seemed fake. So it's really weird to me uh, that we're here now. Uh, it's 2020. Um, just think about it. What think about a coming into 2019, what your life was, goals were, hopes were, how different is that now? And then think about 2010, 2010, what were you doing and what are you doing now? Uh, wrestling aside, right? But what we are here for is the wrestling. So I'll get back on the train. We'll turn it over to Tom to give us our year in review. The Spanish announce table. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is T-Mac of the Spanish Announce Table, and I wanted to do kind of a special episode uh, as we gear up for the end of 2019, the end of a decade, and we go into 2020. I uh, wanted to look back at the year of 2019 in terms of pro wrestling and uh, give you kind of my thoughts. Uh, I'm going to break it down with two different kinds of sections here. Uh, one section is going to be my top five favorite pro wrestlers of the year because that's fun, right? And then the second one is going to be my top five favorite matches uh, of the year. Uh, the matches, a little bit different than maybe you think coming from me, but uh, still going to give you that. Um, and then my top five pro wrestlers, I'll break those down uh, one by one. Uh, but also I wanted to take a look kind of at what the year was, right? So each year on the Spanish announce table, we try to give you some type of, right? 2017, the year of pro wrestling, 2018, the year of, you know, whatever it is. 2019, as I was uh, turning on the microphones and recording this uh, special episode for you guys, I was thinking it was more of 2019, the year of wait and see. So, you know, as we started off 2019, still kind of a lull, uh, going into a little bit of uh, some transition uh, as we were gearing up for Kofi Mania that would take part in quarter one of uh, 2019. But then you heard about, you know, WWE going to uh, Fox, right? And that was a, so what will we see? We we're waiting and we're seeing, you know, eventually that did happen. And I still think they're trying to figure it out as far as, um, 
you know what that program will look like on a network television um, broadcast, but it was the news that was announced way earlier in the year. So it was this whole, you know, currently we're going through this, but let's wait because the next step is going to be, you know, um, the, the, the deal on Fox. Right. And then the other part of that is AEW, right? So we heard rumblings of AEW's coming, AEW's coming, and then here they are. Right. But that was, again, the, the, the alternative is, we're waiting and seeing. So there was a lot of patience, you know, if uh, longtime listeners remember uh, patience, uh, uh, positive and patient, I almost messed up my own catchphrase there, but positive and patient. That's what I kind of felt like 2019 was uh, more of a wait and see, because uh, if you read the comment section on any AEW or uh, WWE or NXT to USA uh, comment section on YouTube or Reddit or wherever, uh, there was some negativity, right? So it wasn't always positive, but it was patient. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I really thought the, the year of 2019 was as a whole. Now, breaking that down, you know, we had some big transitional uh, moments, right? As I mentioned, AEW on TNT, that's a big alternative uh, to the main WWE product that we get. So that's pretty cool. Also, uh, Kofi Kingston. I, I think it goes without saying the first uh, black WWE champion. I think that's a huge deal. I think, you know, now that we're coming at the end of 2019, we can kind of take a look back and really understand the significance of that match and of that win, uh, especially as we move forward into 2020s and, you know, so on and so forth as moving forward. But it was a big year. So um, I was overall, it was okay, right? Like AEW was what it was, and I like it. There's certain aspects of AEW that I think is is awesome, right? Uh, Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX and Impact Wrestling, think they're a million dollars. Orange Cassidy as a comedy act, uh, not oversaturated, just the perfect pinch of a giggle during a two-minute, or excuse me, two-hour broadcast. think that's awesome. Chris Jericho is their first ever heavyweight champion. Uh, met with some skepticism because, you know, of his age and how long he's been in the wrestling business. But I think he's been hitting a home run. Um, it, uh, and, you know, I could go on and on. Pac, uh, John Moxley coming over from WWE. There's, there is a, there's plenty to uh, be excited about with AEW. Obviously, if you know me, uh, there's some negativity, mainly the Young Bucks. But that's neither here nor there, right? We'll just move past that. Uh, so without any further ado, that was kind of my recap of 2019 rambling version without Tim. Uh, so still kind of getting used to hearing my own voice without anyone talking to me. I have my dog who is literally asleep. That is how entertaining I am so far is the dog four minutes in already unconscious and said, I'd rather be dreaming than hear from you. The Spanish announce table. 2019 was an intense year. I mean, you're right. Most it really kicked into gear in at the end of it as October with the AEW, the NXT move, WWE being split brands again, full full brand split. Yeah, um, a crazy year for sure. I mean, there's so many things we could get into. The Kofi Mania was one I'd kind of forgot about until until Tom mentioned it, but um, I do. 
I do want to bring up something, and long-term fans will know uh, we kind of do this, and it might bring the tone down a little bit before we move into more fun subjects that Tom is going to get into, but... We'll talk about some wrestler deaths that happened in 2019, and that's not just, you know, we don't want to bring it down, but it does serve as a good reminder, right? And it's it's a good point to kind of reflect on somebody's career. Um, so let's just go through. I've got six here that were notable uh, to speak about, and we can start with Pedro Morales, WWE Hall of Famer, class of 95, company's first triple crown winner, right? Heavyweight, IC, and tag titles. Uh, 76th, Parkinson's. I mean, you got to be an old guy, uh, older guy like me to kind of know anything about Pedro Morales, I guess. Um, and Rick Bognar, who was the fake Razor Ramon uh, at 49 due to undisclosed causes. Um, so I don't know what happened there. Um, but um, if anybody remembers the when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall left for WWE, um, the WWE tried to sue... Uh, Hall and Nash and and WCW for likeness and saying that they owned Razor Ramon and and Diesel and that they could use, like they would just create that character, right? And uh, they they would just use that character without those guys and thus those guys couldn't act like the characters, which was fun. So they brought out um, Rick Bognar as Razor Ramon and then Glenn Jacobs, who we know as Kane, uh, as as diesel and that did not work very well uh it was really bad and um as you could expect but um and think about that man uh the guy they picked for diesel goes on to be kane and has a hall of fame worthy uh one of the longest running uh careers in history and then this guy um not not the same level of success. I mean, I'm sure he had a fulfilled life. You know, I don't know. Um, but um, Rick Bognar passes at 49. Ashley Mazzaro, winner of the WWE Diva Search, right? Playboy spread. Um, apparent suicide at 39, which um, is sad uh, for everyone involved. And reach out to somebody, right? Somebody is always there for you. Somebody wants you here. Um don't pass on the pain, right? Like it, it, somebody can help you with it. Don't pass it on to somebody that cares about you. All right. Um, King Kong Bundy, 61, due to complications from diabetes. Uh, King Kong Bundy had kind of a short run overall. He had two stints. He had three years in the 80s and two in the 90s, but some very high-profile matches. He had a WrestleMania 11 Undertaker match. I think it was 11. Um, he had Hogan. Uh, in the cage, WrestleMania 2, which is my first introduction to pro wrestling. It's the first thing I saw. Um, but he was also just so notable. He's so visually unique. And for the time especially, he just had a look. And the name, King Kong Bundy. And then it worked really well for the Bundys on Married with Children. So he was a mainstay on there. Um, you know, reoccurring character. King Kong Bundy. Uh, just was a, it was a pop culture phenomenon. Uh, sad to see him go. Harley Race, which we detailed uh, a lot. Local here, we never got to meet him, but so many of the people, if we interviewed any local wrestler here, uh, chances are they trained under or had a lot of experience with Harley Race, and this one affected a lot of people we knew very personally, and we grew up watching the man. I mean, eight-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, his King Harley Race with WWE, all the in-betweens, managing what, Vader, a whole, you know what I mean? He Just everything he did. Um, and then the last one I want to talk about, Mean Gene Okerlund. 
right? Mean gene. 76 complications uh, due to a fall, right? Broke several ribs in a fall and then had complications just, you know, uh, elderly when they fall, those come, you know, they don't heal so well and they can kind of, um, you know, I think same, similar things happen to dusty roads. Um, and that's sad. Mean gene. I mean, what can be said still to this day? I think everybody will tell you is the best that ever did what he does. Um, that, that correspondent, uh, on spot interviewer, uh, in the ring, right backstage, just, uh, just the best ever, ever. And just, and just still so unique, right? And, and there's so there's nobody that did it like him, and he's just he's gone now, and that's sad. Um, but a pop culture phenomenon as well, right? And Hogan had a lot to do with that, with you know, because it's part of a lot of his catchphrase. But um, I mean, Mean Gene then went on to continue on that legitimacy of just being the guy for decades. Um, so that's some folks have passed, man, and that's sad, and um, it is part of life, and we, and we must deal with that. But it is a good point to reflect on these. And if I missed anybody, you know, apologies to the, you know, anybody that cared about those folks. But they, these are the ones that I found quickly to kind of remind me. But let's get back into Tom. I think he's going to uh, pick it up a bit, right? We're going to get back into some of the fun stuff, and we are going to talk about his picks for the top five matches of the year. <laughs> The Spanish announce table. Best matches. Okay. We'll do best matches. Then we'll end with best pro wrestlers. Because if you've listened to me before, uh, you know that I prefer the talent, the gimmick, the storylines over the moves, the matches, uh, the false finishes, right? If, if you're asking me what my favorite part of pro wrestling is, it's the gimmick. It's the storyline. It's the type of match. Then it's the moves. That's probably my order of importance for me when I'm watching pro wrestling in 2019 uh, past and going forward. But with that being said, let's get into the appetizer, the best matches. And then, like I said, we'll get into the best pro wrestlers of 2019. So I'll start from, again, this is kind of loosely based. If you can uh, argue your way of why my order is wrong. I might believe you, right? I'm not tied to this. I'm not married to this list, but this is a handful of my favorite matches and we'll start from the bottom and go to the top. Now I will say this, uh, my number one match, and I'll explain this later is my number one match two through five. Meh, number one is number one. So here we go. Let's get into the top five pro wrestling. Sorry, my dog again, distracting isn't, Pups always distracting. All right, here we go. As I just mentioned, I thought the match itself wasn't the greatest. I don't think I'm going to rewatch it years upon years, but for the significance of what it was, I think it has to be in my top five. And that is from WrestleMania, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston getting the win. So as I mentioned, right, Kofi Kingston had that gauntlet match comes out of really nowhere. I mean, he was a new day and he's been in WWE forever, but coming out of nowhere, as far as a singles push, this let's push Kofi, get Kofi to the main event, uh, you know, at the unfortunate, uh, you know, Ali gets hurt. So there's that aspect of it. So unfortunate for him, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, Kofi Kingston gets pushed, right? And just the groundswell, the IWC, 
And even WWE, to their credit, getting behind Kofi and just pushing him in this wave as we moved up to WrestleMania. And I don't think the part that uh, gets enough credit is how good of a bad guy Daniel Bryan was as champion, right? That's when he was doing the the Planets champion, the, the Recycle Rowan and all of that stuff. He was so good and the perfect bad guy for Kofi Kingston at that moment. I thought, you know, Kofi Kingston was amazing. He did really good. Obviously, the gauntlet match got him uh, the notoriety. But if you didn't have as good of a bad guy as Daniel Bryan was, I don't think it would have hit as good at WrestleMania as it did. Uh, The match itself, like I said, nothing, you know, no five-star classic, nothing like that. But for the significance, and you can see it, go on YouTube and you can see it anywhere The significance of Kofi Kingston winning that match is monumental. It gives gives people hope that they can look like Kofi Kingston, be built like Kofi Kingston, because that's the other end uh, of uh, this story, too. Not only was he the first African-American champion, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, right? He's not going to be benching 400 pounds or he's 6'10", or, you know, all the traditional gimmicks of the WWE heavyweight champion. So... There's a lot to to really get behind with Kofi Kingston. Now his run as champion, and eh, we'll talk about that maybe on a, you know, later episode or break that down with Tim later, but just for the significance of the match, I think you have to put Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan, at least for me, in your top matches of the year. All right, now let's get into the NXT War Games. Holy shit. Right? Holy shit. You had the Undisputed Era taking on Team Gargano. I think that's what they were calling him. I don't really remember now. But this match, brutality, physicality, fun spots, a surprise with Kevin Owens coming as the mystery partner, uh, Keith Lee, who had probably the best weekend as far as uh, notoriety and and buzz it, probably in his career. At least that's in my opinion because, you know, when you do it in the WWE bubble, it means more than on the independent circuit. Uh, Donovan did great. Uh, obviously, Tommaso Ciampa. I was so nervous for Tommaso Ciampa during this match just because it felt like he came back so quickly after a neck surgery. And uh, having suffered my own kind of neck injury, nowhere near what Tommaso Ciampa had. But still, you know, losing feelings in your hand, things like that. It's nerve-wracking to do something physical after that, right? So I bruised my spine, had some ligament disruption. He obviously did way worse. He had to have surgery. Luckily, I did not. Um, but for him to go through that rehab, get through all of the bells and whistles and, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's to get back into the ring and then to do all of that shit. Holy Jesus. That part of the match, I think, needs to be applauded a little bit more because, I could only imagine the nerves, uh, the anxiety, uh, the excitement, because, you know, he's doing what he loves. But all of those emotions wrapped up into one going into that match. It was incredible. And I think, you know, it was a little bit of a spot fest. And I'm not the biggest, you know, let's hold the ropes while the guy jumps to the top turnbuckle. And then I'm still holding the ropes. And then he frog splashes on me like that stuff. Eh. Right, I can take it or leave it. Usually, I like to leave it, but I think what made this match for me was that in sequence, in sequence, excuse me, sequence. Uh, 
uh, where you had, um, it was a, I think a frog splash from Kevin Owens, then something other crazy. And it just car wreck spot, car wreck spot, car wreck spot. And then the moment that made me hold my breath as far as in match moves go of the year is Tommaso Ciampa cradling Adam Cole from the top of the cage and then just whoop, right? Whoop, just drop down going through those tables, which you know, now that I'm having uh, making friends with some wrestlers, some pro wrestlers, I'm getting some uh, inside information. And I found out, you know, tables actually sometimes can be a benefit, right? It kind of breaks the fall. So you're not going down 100 miles per hour into the into the ground. So still one move to the left, one move to the right. We could have had a neck injury for Adam Cole, who, by the way, I think it was, you know, Two-thirds of that match, if not more, competed the very next night on Survivor Series, which, holy Jesus, that's incredible. But let's not get out uh, out of turn here. Let's just talk specifically of this match. Um, yeah, that move at the very end was just breathtaking. I remember when he had him cradled and he stood up. I was like, okay, Adam Cole is going to you know, punch him to the ribs and figure it away out. Nope. Nope. They went right to it, and oh, oh my God, it was incredible. I think that's the spot of the year for me. So yeah, this match was just incredible. I just, that was the spot of the year, as I mentioned. Just insane, insane that at that level, you would choose to do that to make a memory, which by God, they did. Uh, All right, so speaking of spots and memories and brutality, uh, that leads perfectly into my next match. John Moxley, Kenny Omega from AEW Full Gear. Holy shit, right? Like that one was as close to a pay-per-view American death style match as you can get, especially with the type of talent that you have in Kenny Omega, a former PWI uh, number one wrestler of the year. And John Moxley coming over from WWE could have easily said, you know what? Where is it going to coast here? No, he's trying his best to reinvent himself, become what I think he wanted to be in WWE, and this match was awesome. No holds barred. They went after it. There was barbed wire everything, right? They could have just done barbed wire kitchen sink, and it would have fit in with this because, man, they had everything in it. It was just back and forth, brutality, uncomfortable spots with barbed wire, jumping off a of shit you probably shouldn't have. Uh, and it was just awesome. I really thought this was that good alternative, even though, you know, NXT war games will give you your crazy stuff, but it was a good reminder that, Hey, not all hardcore matches have to look the same. It can look like this. And this is what we present. And I thought AEW, uh, specifically, obviously John Moxley and, uh, Kenny Omega did that in this match. It was something that stands out in my mind as one of those like, okay, hey, like I see what we're doing here. This is pretty, pretty intense. This reminds me of the, you know, I always like to say ECW uh, is like the standard bearer for me. But as far as a ECW style match, I mean, that's as close as you get to it as far as mainstream, you know, popular wrestlers go. And that was great. So my third match, John Moxley, Kenny Omega from AEW Full Gear. Now, let's get into my top two matches. And as I mentioned, the top one 
is number one easily, right? Like, and I'll get to that in a second. But number two, I really think is number two for me. And that is Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from Double or Nothing. Now, leading into this match, brother versus brother, that's an easy story to tell. That's, uh, you know, pretty paint by numbers as far as let's get it into the ring. And they kind of did that, right? They had some elements of Cody not liking the Attitude Era, Dustin seeing if he could still, you know, get it done at the age that he is, which I think at the time of the uh, match, he was 50 years old. Uh, so it was, it was okay, the lead up. But man, when that bell rang and they got in there, they tore the house down. It was just storytelling to a T. Like what I want in a pro wrestling match is what Cody and Dustin Rhodes gave us in this match. Uh, you know, you had the blood gushing from the head of Dustin. You had Cody battling and hitting him with every move you could think of. Dustin not quitting. Finally, Cody getting the, the, the victory. And then the cherry on the top. I mean, come on, right? The, hey, I don't need a brother or I don't need a tag partner. I need my brother. Come on. If that didn't get you a little emotional, and hit you in a spot in your heart, well, then your heart is blacker than mine, and mine's pretty black, because I even thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, Cody versus Dustin, I thought that was a, also a great starting point of AEW, right? Like, I know it was double or nothing, and their TV show didn't start till, but it's all the same to me. Like, we can split hairs later, but to me, AEW is all out, double or nothing, all of that stuff, and it just was that great. Like, okay, I'm in this now. This is something I'm going to invest my time in. Uh, they bought me in or they, they got me to buy in, uh, after that match. And especially after that promo that Cody gave to Dustin to get him to be his partner, uh, for the next match against the young bucks. I thought it was perfect. It was probably their best match in my opinion of the year. From Bell to, to Bell, obviously with the promo included, that was what I hope AEW will be going forward. I thought it was perfect. It was great. Now, let's get into my favorite match of the year. And again, if I were really ranking this for, for 2019, this would be match one, two, and three, and then I'd start four and five with some other matches. But it's Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT UK Cardiff. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Cardiff? I don't know. Tweet the table. Let me know how to say it. But oh my God. Brutality, 10 out of 10. Intensity, 10 out of 10. Believability, 10 out of 10. Crowd participation. Because, you know, one thing that can make a match better than what it actually is, is the crowd, right? You, you've seen, you know, uh, 205 Live has had some amazing matches with uh, Jack Gallagher versus Chad Gable. That was a really good match. Crowd was sitting on their hands, so it's not necessarily going to resonate as far as an all-time classic, right? But this match, crowd was in it, the chants, the cheers, the songs, and the false finishes. I am not a huge false finish guy, but I Tell you what, I fell for at least three of them. It was incredible, 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 incredible. I love this match. This is this match was so good, in my opinion. It was it was going into the the stratosphere of all time favorite matches for me. I 
I hit up Tim. I hit up uh, other for close friends, like demanding that they watch it. I made my fiance, who you know she she tolerates my pro wrestling, and God love her for it, and I love her for it too. But I made her watch this match. It was so good. It was one of those just absolutely incredible matches. I loved every second of it. The crowd, Walter, Tyler Bate. False finishes, brutality, believability, storytelling, everything about it. The venue looked cool. There was just nothing that wasn't a 10 out of 10 about this match. It was so damn good. I love it. If you haven't seen this match, I don't know. Like You need to stop this now if you haven't already, but stop this now and go watch it and come back, and then you'll agree with me. If this isn't in your top five you're not a pro wrestling fan. You're just not. Now, you know, it's my list, so I say number one, yada, yada, yada. If it's not your number one, okay, right? Well, we can talk about that. But if it's not in your top five, you're an idiot. Like, that's just plain and simple. You're just stupid for not understanding how great of a match Walter versus Tyler Bate is. Everything about it was spectacular. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So those are my top five favorite matches I'll recap it again here. Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. NXT War Games match. You had John Moxley versus Kenny Omega from AEW Full Gear. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes at Double or Nothing. And Walter versus Tyler Bate, NXT UK Cardiff. The Spanish announce table. What a list. Kofi beating Daniel Bryan. War Games, Moxley Omega, Cody versus Dustin, Walter, Tyler Bate, all damn solid matches. Um, the Kofi Daniel Bryan thing, you're right. The, the historical significance of that match and the run of it, uh, the whole build up to it with the gauntlets, with the tag team gauntlets and the, and the Kofi gauntlet and just. And the, the just they kind of brought back the corporation or the the authority into that. Uh, it was able to run its course again. See, like you can use that same storyline and sprinkle it in different ways, um, and that worked really well. And then the Usos coming out, right, and and laying down basically, right, and then all the all the other workers getting behind them. It was great. Um, war games. You're right, Tom. I love that they have war games again in NXT. I'm a little worried about how each year we're going to force eight people into storylines. It makes me worried that like faction warfare is going to be automatically booked all the time. And I just don't know how we, how we always get there. It's not organic if it has to be there every year. Right. So, um, it can fall the way of the Survivor Series, right, where it gets a little bit played out. Um, so I, I don't know how we handle that. But, hey, whatever. That's a problem for another time because right now it's killing it. It is in full gear. It's killing it. Um, this match was awesome. Keith Lee, you're right, Tom. Keith Lee had the weekend of his life uh, that weekend. Moxley Omega, just the brutality that these guys went through as Tom alluded to, was insane. I'm a big Moxley fan, although I do got to admit, um, I just, it, with AW, I'm still waiting for more coherent storylines, and I don't think we're going to get it. I think they came out and said, we're going to let the guys come up with what they want to do. Well, the guys don't have 
long-term vision so far, it seems, right? The problem with what happened at WCW is you could do that too, but they had to. you had to convince whoever is the final say. I'm assuming that's what happens here. Somebody's got to have final say. Uh, now, they may be more lenient and letting them do what they want, but again, are we getting a coherent week-to-week-to-week storyline? That's what holds my interest, at least. Um, Cody, Dustin Rhodes. That match was awesome, too. Dustin Rhodes, uh, Hall of Fame-level career here, in my mind. Uh, I mean, she, the longevity of this man's career the the ability to work at this age uh, is just he's amazing and Cody it just seems to have his finger on the pulse of pro wrestling right now um although I got I also got to admit I think the AEW thing it it just feels weird like what is he doing what is the purpose of Cody Rhodes right now um it, it's just uh, I mean I I think he's got crowds held captive when he's in the room but I don't know if that plays out as well on TV as it does when you're in the room, right? So I'd like to see a little bit more storylines going on, but I think Cody is is just got all eyes on him. And Walter Tyler Bate, yes. Tyler Bate has had, had up there match of the year top three for me a couple times. When he had that Pete Dunne match, uh, I don't even remember what that was. That was a takeover too, a takeover as well, I should say. Uh, if I if memory serves me correct, I I don't know. Uh, Walter Tyler Bate though, Tom made me watch this one. He's right, and it was awesome. I mean, the storytelling in match is was supreme. And false finishes, yes, false finishes work really well when they're tied into something that feels like a legit a legit finish, right? Like even, a, you know, you've had the, the finisher kick out. So you go, okay, false finish. That's not a real false finish for me. Like when Tom says, when you legit fall for it, that's a false finish to me. And that's like, and that happens when, man, you just thought, oh, what? Whoa. I thought like this for sure was done. I thought he put like, he caught him. He went for his finisher. He spun him around and it just, yeah, they, they just played it well. They seemed to have that crowd eating out of the palm of their hands. They knew when to pull the triggers on what, how. The timing was amazing. Walter is great. Walter is just, he's just a nasty heel, and he's great at it, and he's big, and he's mean. And Tyler Bate is just, he can just go, man. That guy is just money in the in the ring. You can't ask for more. That was, again, like Tom was saying, uh, creeping into the all-time categories. And I, and I agree, these NXT UK matches, that's the NXT UK, man, puts on some in-ring clinics, if you like the in-ring work. Um, Tom, Tom, solid choices for the top five matches of the year. I don't even want to offer any up because I don't want to steal Tom's thunder because he put in a lot of hard work and thought into this. And so we will just move on into Tom's top five wrestlers of 2019. The Spanish announce table. All right, now let's get into the top five pro wrestlers of 2019, according to yours truly, T-Mac of the Spanish announce table. And just like my matches, I'm going to go from bottom to top and tell you what I liked about them, tell you why they're on my list. And if you disagree or agree, hashtag tweet the table, let me know. Uh, and uh, I'll respond in kind. 
Um, also, if you don't want to use hashtag tweet the table for whatever reason, I still think you should. But if you just want to at mention us, go to at table show on Twitter. Let us know what you think of my list and we'll respond to you there. Um, and so, yeah, let's get right into it. Top five pro wrestlers of 2019. Just as I started off with my top five uh, matches of the year, I'm going to start off with my top five pro wrestlers and I'm going to put in Kofi Kingston. I think, you know, say what you want about after he lost the title to Brock Lesnar in three seconds on the debut of Fox on SmackDown. That's not great, right? Like, that's a miss. But really, everything leading up to that or before that, excuse me, was really good was really good. As I mentioned, the gauntlet match on SmackDown that kind of was the spark that started this all was phenomenal. The groundswell, as I mentioned, the hashtags, give Kofi a chance, I believe it was. Um, All the social media activity that you saw around Kofi after that gauntlet match was awesome. Obviously, the other two members of the New Day, Xavier Woods and Big E, understanding how great Kofi was, Uh, And I'm talking specifically storylines, not backstage. They obviously understand that, but they didn't incorporate, you know, dissension amongst New Day. They were just like, no, Kofi's the man. Guys, like we've known this. You need to see it. I thought that was cool, right? You don't see that in in storyline wrestling. You always see, you know, dissension, jealousy, yada, yada, yada. This was no, 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 no. Kofi's awesome. You guys should know that. Let's uh, let's all get behind Kofi. And man, did we going into that WrestleMania match? I think that was the match of the night of WrestleMania, Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. Obviously, I put it in my top five. But as I mentioned when I was recapping that match, you know, go look at all the reactions people had from, from Kofi winning the, the WWE Championship. I think those were real emotions. Those were real tears. It wasn't, you know, people trying to, uh, you know, get attention and become social media influencers. It was just, hey, I want people to understand. This is a big moment for me. Uh, again, I also thought it was a really good quality match. Um, after that, Kofi Kingston as champion. You know, that spot is its hard because it's not going to always be what we want. And when I say we, I mean the IWC. The, the champion has to be a person that also translates to uh, you know, hosting on the Today Show or uh, doing radio interviews in the morning, things like that. And for what that championship role is, Kofi killed it. I thought he was great. Storyline-wise, I thought the Kevin Owens turning on the New Day uh, while Big E was hurt, and then that storyline with Kofi, I thought that was really good. Uh, the stupid, stupid uh, Kofi, Randy Orton. Dragged on a little bit too long, if I'm going to be honest with you. It was a little bit too long, but the Genesis and the first couple matches I thought was really good. Um, and I thought Kofi was believable as champion. It was one of those rare instances where they took a mid-carder and specifically a tag team wrestler and pushed him to the main event, and it checked out, at least with me. I thought he was awesome. So 2019... Again, I think will be remembered for his uh, win at WrestleMania, but I thought he did other really good things. His program, as I mentioned with Kevin Owens, was was a really good one. And the Randy Orton, even though it was a pinch too long, thought it was awesome. And hey, look, he rebounded after uh, Brock Lesnar lost, right? Now he's a tag team champion again. So it's not as if we haven't seen Kofi again and he went the way of Jinder Mahal. Like he's still getting it done 
and being on every SmackDown and pay-per-view. So I just thought the, the year Kofi Kingston had was spectacular. So that's why he's in my top five. Next, I am going to go to John Moxley. Now, this one was a little bit difficult for me because, you know, it's a new character, but we're still saying he's the old guy and he was, you know, handcuffed and yada, yada, yada as Dean Ambrose in WWE. So this is the real character that he wanted to be. Um, so that's a little bit of like, oh, we're, we're just taking my name from there. Obviously, I can't use it because copyright, but we're still the same character. Just now we're tweaking some things. And that's not the best, but he had so many great moments, right? When he came down from the crowd, took out Kenny Omega, stood on those those chips, uh, those those um, playing card chips. I don't know what they call them. I'm not a gambler, but he you know st- stood on top of that. Had some iconic shots shot by Ryan Loco. Shout out Ryan Loco, um, where he's standing there, just spectacular. Obviously, coming through the crowd was really cool. Uh, paying homage to the Shield, I thought was was a nice touch. Um, and then man, he has been a million bucks in AEW, right? A win over Kenny Omega. That match with Kenny Omega was great. His match with Darby Allen was fun. Uh, his match with, um, uh, Joey Janela for Christ's sakes was a great time. Like he's having really good quality matches. Believability is out of this world. Uh, I, I think they're accomplishing their mission with saying that character you saw in WWE as Dean Ambrose that was kind of the watered down version of what we really want to do. And that what we really want to do is John Moxley right here. That is hard to do. It can be lazy, but they did not go lazy with this character, whoever it is, right? If it's John Moxley himself, kudos to him. If it's the AEW creative team, kudos to them, but he is just really making a really big impact and he is a believable main event player in AEW so that's why I put him in my list. All right, now let's move to my third wrestler of the year in my top 5 and it's the NXT uh heavyweight champion, Adam Cole Bebe. It, I tell you what, who's who's cooler than Adam Cole? Can you answer that? I don't think you can because I think the coolest wrestler in WWE in AEW, I mean, I know he's not in, a, in, in AEW, but I'm saying factor in the entire world, this wacky world of pro wrestler, pro wrestling, the coolest wrestler is Adam Cole. Just the entrance, the bravado, the swagger, the, you know, thumb to the face, boom, uh, everything about him says, I want to be that guy's friend. I want to be that guy. That's how cool he is. I think. His matches with Johnny Gargano this year, incredible. The week he had when he invaded SmackDown, invaded Raw, and then uh, his matches on NXT television, I mean, come on. This guy is the leader of the Undisputed Era. I I just, you know, say say what you want. It's a man crush, whatever. This guy is so awesome. He is the antithesis of what NXT should be and what it is, right? That cool mainstream kind of alternative, but still in the world of WWE, awesome wrestling. And that's what he is. He's, he has awesome wrestling, awesome promos, uh, 
like I said, when I was talking about the War Games match, he'll take a dive off a damn cage and go through some tables for you. He'll give you some great promos. He'll give you some backstage jumping of the baby faces with his group, the Undisputed Era. I This guy is just, everything he's doing is a home run. Just love everything Adam Cole's doing. Uh, he is the NXT heavyweight champion. I hope it stays, if it's like this, forever, right? Like, I don't want him to go anywhere. He is the man in NXT, and I think... For my money, NXT is the best brand in WWE, so you have to put him in your top five, and that's why he made it in my list. He is the man. He's the coolest guy in the world. He is Adam Cole, baby. All right, next we've got in my top five pro wrestlers of 2019, I've got probably the most unique pro wrestler of 2019, and that's Bray Wyatt, the fiend. Uh, the Firefly Funhouse, whatever you want to call it. The, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde aspect that he has to his character is so cool. There's nothing like a Firefly Funhouse, especially when it debuted. I remember when it debuted, I thought I was watching an infomercial that was in Monday Night Raw. I didn't think it was a WWE product for the first 15 to 20 seconds. It wasn't until you know, he started cutting a promo. I was like, oh shit, this is completely different. And... You know, to reinvent yourself after just shitting the bed uh, as that Bray Wyatt, Wyatt family, whatever you want to call it, to reinvent yourself from that to this, take some balls, take some creativity, and it is so awesome. So inspiring, I hope, for other pro wrestlers that say, you know, I'm stuck at the mid card, I'm stuck at the opening match uh how can I get out of this spot? Well, be creative. Now I'm not saying be the genius that Bray Wyatt is. Cause obviously he had some awesome things as the Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt. And now you're seeing what he's doing here. So, you know, creative, creatively speaking, he might be out of your wheelhouse, but look to him to say like, I can be more than just what I am. And I think that's what his whole year is, is in a nutshell is, you know, I was stuck in a bad place. I had to go away I had to figure some shit out, and man, did he figure some shit out. That Fiend character, that entrance, when he came out at, I believe, SummerSlam against uh, Finn Balor, oh, what in the fuck? I had to show people at work that was like not even wrestling fans. I was like, this shit is fucking cool. Doesn't it scare you? And they're like, what the hell am I watching? I was like, it's pro fucking wrestling, guys and girls. It's fucking cool. And they're like, Man, I guess like that's weird, but the, I'll remember it. And they still remember it, right? That was SummerSlam time or, you know, during the, the summer, I believe. It was just so cool. I mean, everyone seemed to be talking about Bray Wyatt uh, as far as this new iteration of what we're seeing. And it's it's awesome. It's something that I think 2019 will be remembered by the Firefly Funhouse, all of those creepy little uh, action figures or figurines, whatever you want to call them popping up backstage as Daniel Bryan and Miz and all of these guys were walking to the ring. I thought that was a great uh, spot added to the character. And obviously this, just this like outside Mr. Rogers type world coming into the WWE universe as, you know, using the marketing terms that they want me to use. Uh, I thought that was crazy. Now the missteps obviously are there, right? Seth Rollins finding where the Firefly Funhouse is to burn it down on paper. Okay, right? Like if I say, hey, this is how we're going to end the feud. It makes sense. It was way too early. Didn't make any sense. Um, So it was a misstep. But 
it is what it is, right? The Bray Wyatt character is just so cool. Now, as we're seeing him with this Mr. Rogers type character wrestling the Miz and going after the Miz uh, with the Fiend kind of separated from that, I think is interesting. I think the Fiend taking uh, Daniel Bryan under the ring and all of a sudden now we have Daniel Bryan, you know, shaved he- head all of 2011, 2012. Uh, is interesting. Finn Balor, another one that he attacked, and now Finn Balor went to NXT. It's like all three of these guys that Bray Wyatt is is targeting, something happens on the other end of their feud. I mean, even let's include uh, Seth Rollins there, right? He went from babyface to heel after Bray Wyatt. So uh, I think what Bray Wyatt is doing is so cool and it's so interesting. I don't know where it goes and that's fun. It's not a where it goes like Titus O'Neil and, you know, Titus Worldwide where it's like, what are we doing here, right? It's a, holy shit, this is captivating. I'm not sure exactly where we go from here. Who was the first one to beat this version of Bray Wyatt? And, and, and that's fun. That's really fun. And that's why he made my list is because it's original it's kind of creepy. It's kind of scary. It's kind of cool. I also kind of want to buy a t-shirt of Bray Wyatt, right? As the fiend and as the firefly Funhouse. Um, so it, it's just, it's just, it, it, it keeps your attention. It's eye catching. It's captivating that he's the most captivating pro wrestler in 2019. Now let's get into my pro wrestler of the year. And I think, you know, I don't know if anyone's had as good of a year as Cody Rhodes has had since maybe Daniel Bryan in WrestleMania 30 or maybe Becky Lynch this year. And she, again, I thought about putting her because the man and main eventing WrestleMania and that feud she had with Charlotte and Becky or excuse me, Charlotte and Rhonda. I was, I thought about it. I really did. But then post WrestleMania really nothing, really nothing. And so that's why I made my type five, but going back to my main uh, number one spot here, Cody Rhodes. uh, I, again, look what he did. Look what he did. Everything in my opinion has been great. So as I mentioned in my top five uh, pro wrestling matches, him and Dustin tore the house down promo, that I think will live on in AEW history, right? For as long as that promo uh, promotion's alive, that promo will be there. Then to do the Darby Allen uh, time limit draw, which I think caught a lot of people off guard. It caught me off guard. I didn't realize time limit draws were going to be so important to AEW. And man, to put the you know guy running the place in the first time limit draw, I believe, uh, says something. And I think it was a great match. Put over a young talent. He just didn't beat him. He had to go to a time limit draw with him. So that was a home run. You know, Cody's feud with Chris Jericho, the promos he was cutting going into that were so good. Just so authentic, so real without breaking kayfabe, if that makes sense. So it was just spot on. And now... Uh, the MJF stuff. I mean, that promo we did a couple weeks ago where he's throwing his shoe, throwing his watch, giving money. I mean, good God. Did you not believe everything he was saying? I sure did. I thought it was awesome. Uh, even when Sean Spears turned on him and hit him with the, hit him in the head with the chair, 
that feud for, you know, as long as it lasted was awesome. Brought in Tully Blanchard, who had history with the Rhodes family. Just everything he's done has been great. And that's why I think he's in my number one spot because he has that coolness factor of Adam Cole. He has the match quality of a Kofi Kingston. He can be as brutal as a John Moxley and he can be as captivating as a Bray Wyatt. It's just everything I'm looking for in a pro wrestler. Cody Rhodes, 2019 version has what I want. And also, you know, not to even uh, factor in the backstage stuff that he's dealing with, right? Going to TNT, com- trying to compete with NXT Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, uh, trying to make money. I mean, there's so much backstage stuff that I think he should be applauded on. But just what I see as the viewer, it's been awesome. Loved every single second of it. Cody Rhodes is my 2019 Pro Wrestler of the Year. So as I wrap up all this fun rambling and thank you guys if you've made it this far if not guess what you can dx suck it (laughs) no i'm kidding um let me give you my best matches again and then i will recap my best pro wrestlers so as i mentioned and i'll mention it one more time best matches of 2019 according to tmac of spanish announce table and the spanish announce table that really matters not america's hat up there in canada it goes kofi kingston from wrestlemania nxt war games John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, AEW Full Gear. Cody versus Dustin Rhodes from Double or Nothing. And then Walter versus Tyler Bate from NXT UK Cardiff. God, the match is so damn good. I just start squinting. For those with the enhanced radios, you can see my face just scrunching up. I'm getting like a heart attack. I love that match so much. Good God, it's so great. Okay, sorry. And then my best pro wrestlers of 2019. Kofi Kingston, I mean, come on, you know why. John Moxley, brutality. Adam Cole, the coolest guy in the room. Bray Wyatt, the most captivating, craziest character of the year. And then Cody Rhodes, just the full package. Everything that I think I want in a pro wrestler, he has it, and that is why he's at the top of the list. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this. I appreciate it. Uh, We're going to try to come back with some content here soon. As we've mentioned before, some things are some moving parts. We're trying to piece together what we can, uh, trying to work to make you guys happy, keep you guys engaged. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, let me know what you thought about the list. Hashtag tweet the table um, or you can at table show on Twitter, obviously on Facebook, uh, the Spanish announce table. Uh, Just get at us. Let us know. It's table show at gmail.com. If you want to, Uh, Send us a dollar if you like the list, or you can send us a review as an email and let us know what you thought about the list. Uh, But I thank you guys so much for for listening, and uh, we will talk to you hopefully soon as we gear up for 2020. The Spanish Announce Table. Tom hitting you with all the plugs and his top five wrestlers of 2019. All the social media details he gave you, uh, check all of those out. I'll hit those again on the way out. If you missed them and you don't want to rewind, I mean, it is a podcast. I shouldn't have to repeat myself, but I know you guys are just so zoned in that you're maybe not taking notes or, you know, I, I get it. I understand. Um, you're just so focused on what Tom had to say here with his top five Pro Wrestlers of 2019. Tom, great list. 
You had Kofi Kingston with his historic win and his lead-up, which I agree. The lead-up to that was exquisite. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we touched on it. Uh, with the WrestleMania match, but it, it was great. And yeah, John Moxley. Um, John Moxley. I think you kind of didn't touch on was his his weird exit from WWE as far as booking and the public. Uh, I, I don't want to call it a smear campaign, but just WWE just really seemed like when when Moxley then did these historic podcasts. Also, when he discussed those. Uh, on those when he discussed how they handled his exit and how they just kind of seemed to not be able to handle him being like, no, I'm fine. I don't want your extra money. I just want to go. I'm done with this. I'm tired of these rules. I'm tired of your weirdness. I'm ready to go. And they just didn't want it to happen. And they just made it weird. And then they did that. Um, that was just interesting. It was very unique. And then he comes out, uh, killing it in AEW. Fans love him. Great. Great for him. And then Adam Cole, baby, right? Yes. He, who's cooler than Adam Cole? I don't know that somebody is. Um, everybody's got a subjective determination of what cool is, but I don't know who's cooler objectively when you ask, who's the cool guy in the room? It's Adam Cole, baby. Uh, good choice there. Bray Wyatt, the fiend. This is the one I really want to, man, that guy, you're right. The reinventing of himself from shitting the bed, as you put it, is great. And, and when he came out, it was a cult like thing, right? It was Raven's flock or it was the ministry, but that's the problem. I think is that it was those things, right? It's very similar in when you write it down on paper, the Wyatt family. Yeah. Right, minions basically for a dark character, so it didn't work as well, and they didn't book it to work as well uh, from a match outcomes standpoint. So, what are you going to do? What he did was totally reinvent it, but use it. Right, it's the same guy, it's the same character, but he's just shifted his psyche, and that's great. And the merchandising masterpiece that this is with all of the puppets and the fun house and the outfits that he wears and just, and the fiend and the mask and the new belt. And it's just insane. And he's hitting a home run with this. And he's still a young age is Bray Wyatt. Uh, who knows what more we're going to get from this. And I think it's one of the most interesting storylines to come along in a long time. I don't want to call it storyline. It's just a character because it keeps carrying on, but his Firefly Funhouse, the duality of these characters, the Mr. Rogers, the Jekyll and Hyde, right? The, the fiend. It's great. I couldn't agree more with that choice. And Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, as I said earlier, just has his finger on the pulse of pro wrestling. It seems like at least the fans, the young fans for sure, uh, he's just, he's got style. He's running a company. He's also left the machine a la John Moxley and just said, I'm done with this. Uh, my heritage is as big as this. I mean, maybe not as big, but my heritage is big enough to carry me and my name and my work and he's doing it and he's, the results are showing, right? They've got crowds. Um, <laughs> There's some pictures out there. Um, they, they've got crowds and um, they've got some big shows and they've got some money and they've got some backing. You know, who knows how long that lasts or if it or maybe it does well and it lasts a long time. So Cody Rhodes, awesome. Noticeably off of your list, I'm going to have to go with Chris Jericho. 
Um, Chris Jericho, amazing that at his age, again, carrying a company as the world champion and killing it. I mean, Jericho is just funny. He's a good heel. He's easy to hate. Um, he's got name recognition from the dancing with the stars, the Fozzy, all the other things he's done. Everybody knows Chris Jericho and he's just a mainstream media darling and it helps AEW's legitimacy for sure. And Becky Lynch, her culmination of the man stuff and Becky two belts, all of that was early 2019. I know it's, it's hard to forget. Maybe there's a recency bias going on there. Um, but Becky Lynch, the man, Becky two belts, another, uh, off the top five list of Tom. I'm not going to give a full top five list again. Not going to steal Tom's things. Those are just two names that I thought, oh man, as, as I was listening to the list, I thought, woof. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of good pro wrestling right now. There's many options, and that's why it's hard to name just five. Give me five, but that's what Tom did. He had to give us five, and those are the five he chose, and I think they're a solid five. Let's go around them again. We had Kofi Kingston, John Moxley, Adam Cole, Bay Bay, Bray Wyatt, and Cody Rhodes. So that's it. Tom gave you all the details at Table Show on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Spanish Announce Table Podcast. SpanishNounceTable.net is probably nothing up there that's been updated in a long time. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Don't got the time. And who's really going to websites? What are you going to go there for? I'm not writing an article. What? Why? Go to Twitter. Talk to us there. Say something at Table Show. Use hashtag TweetTheTable. We review those and read some good ones on the shows when we get them back into full gear. Going full steam ahead right now. Too busy. So Tom's picking up the slack and i found some time to kind of chime in a little bit so give tom a shout out at tmac underscore 816 i believe is the twitter handle uh, give him a big thanks and a thumbs up for doing a great job here keeping some content alive for you spanish announce table fans i know you can't live without us you tell me it every day it's getting weird but i do love you and i appreciate uh you hanging around uh and 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 liking what we do and we're here for you and i'm gonna find a way to keep getting it done for you especially with tom putting in that work so thanks again for the final episode of the year of the decade of the spanish announce table the spanish announce table